Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. What a way to start service. Every single part of service has been a heat, back to back. <laughs> back to back. Father, we give you praise. Amen. God is good. And all the time. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's celebrate Minister Jola for that very powerful charge. As well as the Beckoners. That was such an anointed session. Thank you. God bless your hearts. Amen. Hallelujah. While you're still seated, let's just sing this song together. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. From the bottom of my heart, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. From the bottom of my heart, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. From the bottom. Two more times. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. From the bottom. For the last time. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Yeah. From the bottom of my heart. Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. At the beginning of this teaching series, we had highlighted some five key objectives for this particular SHIELD series. How many of you remember? I'm sure it's somewhere in your notes. The first one was to educate the saints on the architecture of fear, its origin and what it means, and how it powers the kingdom of darkness. How that the devil literally powers the kingdom of darkness. The light <laughs> of the darkness is fear. How he powers it, how he generates energy, all right, for darkness to run its full course in a person's life is through the inf infrastructure and the architecture of fear. Number two, to facilitate the deployment of God's allocated spiritual resources for the disarming of the torments of fear. Because the Bible says fear has torments, all right? But perfect love casts out all fear. Number three was to become conscious of the operational dynamics of the realm of the spirit. So that we're not ignorant of how the spiritual realm works. Number four is to raise the awareness of the believer on the spiritual authority given to him through the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit. And number five is to live a life that transcends, that escapes, praise God, the beggarly elements of this world powered by the Holy Ghost. Amen. What I'd like to just bring to your consciousness and awareness this morning is something really powerful that the Holy Spirit taught me and I believe it will bless your heart and if you can just organize your life to reflect the insights from this teaching you will live a victorious life you will live a victorious Christian life over sin over fear over death and over everything that the enemy could literally throw at you in your Christian faith John chapter 10 and verse 10 the Bible says that the devil comes not but to steal. He says to kill and then to destroy. And then recently something just broke out of that verse 
into my spirit. Because sometimes the common verses uh, can be a way of the enemy dulling us from the power in those verses. Sometimes when a verse is so common, we don't pay so much attention to it. Because we're like, it's not deep enough. That's why it's common. Sometimes the devil can use the popularity of a verse to his own advantage. Where you'd stop looking at that verse with awe. You stop looking at it with honor. You start seeing it as a pedestrian verse. John 3.16 type of verse. John 10.10, you know, Romans 6.23. No, Romans 3.23. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Very common passages of scripture. Do you people know the things that are in those verses that I just said? Are you sure they are still common to you? Please, I hope you know these verses. All right, these are very elementary verses that we learned getting into the faith. And sometimes the enemy can just help us to not pay attention to them. So John chapter 10 and verse 10 is one of those verses. The devil comes not but to steal, all right, to kill and to destroy. And then it occurred to me that the devil needs to steal before he can kill or destroy. That means everything the devil kills or destroys with, he didn't have it. He stole it. Do you see that? He has to first steal. He can't kill. If he could kill without stealing, he would have just killed and destroyed. But he has to first steal. Whatever he's using to kill and destroy lives, he didn't own it. He took it from someone. He took advantage of someone's ignorance. Someone who possessed power, but did not understand the power of what he possessed. He takes it from him and then uses that thing and exploits it against the person he took it from. So before he could kill or destroy you, he's got to steal from you. That is the thing originally belongs to you. Then he steals it from you by your ignorance. And then he weaponizes that which he has stolen to kill and to destroy. And it just aligns with everything we've been talking about. How that the devil has nothing left but wiles. If a guy has a gun that is loaded with a bullet, he doesn't need to deceive you to kill you. He has power. He can kill. But if you are the one with the loaded weapon... And he has nothing. He's got to deceive you. He's got to manipulate you. He's got to make you believe what is really not true. Then take advantage of the weapon, then use it against you. He's got to steal first. You need to understand that. The devil has got to steal first before he can kill, before he can destroy. So you see a lot of people that the devil is afflicting, oppressing, destroying their lives. They cooperated with him. They, read, they, they, they gave up the possession of the powerful weapons that God had given unto them. They handed it over to the devil. Then the devil weaponized those things against them. And the Holy Spirit began to share with me some powerful things that every man possesses. We all possess this power. Whether you are born again or not, you have this power. The moment you came onto this side of eternity, you had power in these three regards. Power far more than the enemy could boast. However, anyone that he has been able to successfully steal, kill, and destroy is someone who gave up these three things that he had, that he possessed, that God gave to him. Whether he was born again or not, the devil took advantage of it, weaponized it against him. And this explains some of the advancements in humanity, in our civilization, because man has power. Because God gave it to him. Even if he uses that power not in service of God, God still respects that he has the autonomy and the authority to use that power however he chooses to. Man has power. <laughs> Man has power. And it's amazing how Minister Jola just helped me to a certain degree because we're still going to go to Mark 5. But there was something she shared about how that, you know, the demons sought to be put in, in the swine. That means... 
The swine, a pig, a dirty pig, has more authority upon the face of the earth than a demon. The demons were going to be homeless without a physical vessel upon the face of the earth. So he sought for another accommodation apart from this man. They had been living in this man for such a long time. Now they were about to be cast out by Jesus. And they were seeking for another accommodation. That means a pig on earth is a more legitimate occupant on the face of the earth than a demon without a body. A demon without a body is useless. Useless. Cannot do nothing. He needs a body. He needs a vessel. Even if it's a goat's own. Even if it's a cat. Praise God. And even that, he needs permission. So he can't just enter a goat. He needs permission. <laughs> You could have just entered the goats now. You could have just entered the pigs. He, he sought permission. So even a goat cannot be possessed without some permission. Not the goats one now because he doesn't have, he doesn't know. <laughs> Somebody has to permit the entrance of the demon into that swine. Somebody has to. That is to tell you how incapable demons are to understand how the realm of the spirit is, 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 is operational. To understand how it functions. To understand how it's wrong. The realm of the spirit is very active. It never sleeps. We are the ones that sometimes are not conscious of what is going on in the realm of the spirit. But a lot is going on there. A whole lot. So I'm going to show you a part of scripture that the Holy Spirit showed me several years ago. And it's been literally impossible if not difficult. Or difficult if not impossible to preach to anybody this thing I'm about to share with you. But the Holy Spirit just made it make sense enough to be taught. I've said it in close circles, but not at this scale. So I'm going to share it with you today. And it explains a lot of things. It does. It just makes a lot of things fall in line. It does. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. This is powerful. So the moment these guys sent Jesus away, it was to the blessing of Jairus. So, the exit of Jesus from Gennesareth was to the end that Jairus' daughter be healed and raised from the dead. Because if he had stayed in Gennesareth, Jairus wouldn't have met Jesus. Just think about that for a moment. All right. Now, when did he leave that place? He left in Verse 17, Bible says, And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. He did not allow him to do that. And said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for you and has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and men did marvel. Verse 21, And when Jesus had passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him and he was nigh unto the sea. Are you following the story? And then verse 22, And behold, there comes one of the rulers of the sea who would not have seen him to 
come unto, if he had not left where he just left, all right, Bible says his name was Jairus. He was a ruler of the synagogue. And then he saw him and fell at his feet and worshipped. And then besought him greatly, saying, my daughter lies at the point of death. I pray you, come and lay thine hand on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him, and thronged him. And a certain woman, all right, we are still on the story of Jairus, okay? So Jesus was en route to Jairus' house. And then a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. And she had suffered many things from many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was nothing better all right but rather grew worse all right and when she had heard of jesus he came in the press behind and touched his garment and bible says for she said in her heart if i may but touch the helm of his garment his clothes i shall be whole and straight away the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she had been healed of the plague praise god and then Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned around and began to ask, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Peter, I believe, thou seest me, who has delivered to say this to Jesus? Say, well done, well done. Everybody's stronging you. He said somebody, to, like, Abba now, Jesus. <laughs> you know, he spoke to Jesus and said, thou seest the multitude stronging thee, and thou seest who touched me. Like, really, ask yourself, I mean, why would you be asking us that question? Everybody is touching, literally everybody. And he looked around, he didn't even, you know, he just ignored Peter. And he looked around and kept looking for the person who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what she had done, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, daughter, that faith had made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Are you with me? While he yet spake. Are you praying underneath your breath? <laughs> Amen. A lot of things will make sense today for you. While he yet spake, there came a ruler of the synagogue, synagogue's house, certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he came unto the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw the tumult, and then they that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he said unto them, Why makest ye ado, all right, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn from crying to laughing to scorn be careful who comes around you when you're mourning all right they were literally just mourning a few moments ago and then now they're laughing him to scorn like mockingly i mean that's just cruel but when he had put them all out it taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him the three of them and entered in where the damsel was and he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted damsel, I say unto thee, unto thee, arise. And straight away the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. And they were astonished by this great, or with this great astonishment. Let me show you one more scripture before I get into exegesis. 
Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. <laughs> the devil is a liar. I tell you. The liar. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. Powerful verse. He says, listen, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Let's stop there for now. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Twelve years ago, a woman started bleeding uncontrollably. Twelve years ago, a child was born. Twelve years ago, a woman was bleeding unstoppably, uncontrollably. She did all she could. Instead of it getting better, it grew worse. As it was growing worse, the child was growing more. The woman hears about Jesus. That a certain Jesus is capable of healing your issue of blood. She begins to summon some faith and begins to make some confessions of faith. And then a child falls sick. Darius meets Jesus en route. And then he says, my daughter is at the point of death. Come and see if you can help me heal her. And then Jesus is carrying a certain virtue. For and targeted for this daughter of Jairus. And then he's carrying this virtue within him. And he's going and somebody snatches it. Somebody carries what had always belonged to her. She took that virtue. Applied it on herself. And in moments she did that. She was healed. The flow of blood stopped. The moment the flow of blood stopped, while Jesus was still addressing her, people came from Jairus' daughter's house, or Jairus' house, came to Jesus and said, don't bother the master anymore. The child is dead. Then Jesus goes to the house, restores the child's life, and then we're told in scripture that the child was 12 years old. Why that detail? Are you still with me? Why that detail? A child is a child now. Why tell us how old exactly she is? Why tell us how long this woman had been nursing her issue of blood? The moment this woman began to bleed, this child began to leave. The moment she began to locate her healing, this child began to fall sick. The moment she located her healing and the, blow of, the flow of blood ceased, no life was flowing in another direction as it used to. And then the child died. That story is typical of how the occultic world works. It is true that there's power in blood. It is true that if you carry someone's blood and apply some occultic incantations on that blood, it can translate to life in another realm. It can. This is what explains blood money. This is what explains when someone sacrifices. These things happen. They will take blood from a place. And then it will translate to peace, prosperity, wealth, money in another place. Because the devil, the only strategy he knows how to implement is the strategy of an exchange. It's a strategy of transfer. He cannot restore. He cannot create. 
If you meet him for something good, he has to take blood from somewhere to justify your worthiness to receive that which you have come to look for. So he would ask you to make a great sacrifice that requires blood so that he will convert the innocence of that blood into virtue, into prosperity, into wealth. And as long as you always need to maintain that, you would always need a little bit more blood. How many of you saw Abateo, right? Sometimes, out of our awokeness and our understanding of new creation realities, we begin to lose sight of the fact that there, there is really an underworld. There is an occultic world that is really, really occultic. Because God has given one of the tokens of authority. By the way, the title of my teaching is the tokens of authority. One of the tokens of authority in life is blood. That is, if a person is on earth, the reason why he can function on earth is blood. He has to carry blood in his vessels. Without that blood, demons cannot function on earth. Without that person owning and being a mortal man, he has no legitimate right to walk the length and breadth of this earth. So the devil needs a human vessel or an animal vessel, something that has blood. Because back in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, it was animal blood that was used to compensate for the sins of man. So there is even power in the blood of an animal. That is, you give the priest blood, it gives you forgiveness. That forgiveness gives you access. That access gives you prosperity. That was the protocol in the Old Testament. So you notice that when you don't have favor with God, things begin to die around you. Then you know that it is the consequence of your sin. Then you go and look for a spotless lamb. And then you carry that lamb based on the specification of scripture. Then you take it to the high priest. Then they will look at the lamb. They will look at your sin. They will look at the lamb. Is this lamb spotless? Is it without filth, guilt, or any of those things or, you know, um, disability? And then they would inspect the lamb. To the degree that it's spotless, is to that degree that it can confer justice on you. And then they will kill the lamb in your place, in your stead, and shed the blood. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So that blood will help remit your sins, however temporarily, and then you would have forgiveness. That forgiveness will not give you access that access will now grant you peace and prosperity, which will translate to money in some sense. This is the system that the devil perverts in the underworld. And this is why there is always a specification for the type of blood that is required. Remember this church shared the story of deliverance of his younger sister, how she was kidnapped. And then they asked the younger sister a question. And the, the, the younger sister thought they asked, do you have a, uh, the, the, I think the younger sister thought they asked if you, I don't remember the exact way she interpreted the question they asked, but she answered in a certain way that made them think that she had a child. So because they thought she had a child, they removed her from the car. And that was how she was delivered. If she did not have a child, she would have been kidnapped. And if she had been kidnapped, she would have been slaughtered. To cause prosperity in another camp. That was how she was delivered. Because there is a specific type of blood that the enemy needs to exchange for what a person asked him for. We don't know how Jairus got his daughter. Don't know. 
ruler of the synagogue. How did you get your daughter? Her life was another woman's pain. Her death was another woman's healing. Where did you get your daughter from? Woman was losing blood, which is life. Another person was gaining life. And then the, woman, the moment this woman who was losing life stopped losing life, the child dies. There is a link. The Holy Spirit showed me. This is the link. The life of an animal. The life of any flesh is in the blood. <laughs> Don't ignore occultic things and say, it doesn't exist. It does. You need to understand it. When you see things that are happening and people are saying, Don't, it's not superstition. These things are real. Or sometimes if it's not blood, there will be something that will compensate. You have to start eating from something that is not holy or you know, ideal to maintain the prosperity that you have. This is what the Bible says, that the blessing of the Lord makes rich and does not have negative consequences. It does not add sorrow. There is no negative management and sustainable system. That sustains and maintains that blessing. Nothing. It makes rich and it is rounded. This is what Jesus came to balance. That is the devil had been taking life from one person. And giving it to another person. And for as long as this person was losing blood. This person was, was leaving. So Jesus came to shut down that kind of system. And so while that was happening. Right? There was no way Jesus was going to heal this um, heal this child without the child first dying so that when the child dies he can give to the child the life of the child so that he can create life and give it to the child the devil has no IP on anything he has no he can't create prosperity somebody must die for you to be prosperous if you ask him for prosperity somebody's blood must be given in exchange somebody's sanity somebody's destiny somebody's glory something must be taken from someone to give you that which you are looking for. And if you want to continue to sustain and maintain that, then the more of that which must be taken will be taken. That's the only system the devil understands. But in him, there's life. He can restore life. Where life does not exist, he can give life for the first time to it. The devil can't. Only Jesus boasts that power. That's why there's no abundant darkness. There's no abundant death. What we have is abundant life. What we have is ever-increasing light. It's not abundant darkness. It's not abundant death. So the initiative is always with life and it's always with light. How you create darkness is by removing light. So Jesus has life and has it in him abundantly. So he gave to the daughter the life that belongs to the daughter after restoring the woman to her original estate where she now has life because she was losing blood. Because there's a way you continue to lose blood, you would eventually die. Praise God. One of the tokens of authority is blood. It's a token of authority. It is one of the things you have as a man, as a human being upon the face of this earth that gives you legitimate right and authority to operate on earth. Is the fact that there's blood running in your veins. Amen? Amen. There's blood. <laughs> Hallelujah. Wow. <laughs> 
when people don't understand the tokens they have been given, the devil then steals from them some of these tokens and weaponizes them. He weaponizes these tokens of authority. He weaponizes them. The blood is so powerful that even the blood of a person who is not saved speaks. You guys don't understand this. Though. God gave man that authority that see. Without my help, these things are powerful by themselves. That is what it means for something to be a token of authority. Such that Abel died. God was not privy to it, assumedly. And then, the blood of Abel, even though he was dead, his blood was speaking. And God's attention was called and he summoned Cain. What happened? There is a blood that speaks. The blood of a man speaks. When God told David that he couldn't build the temple for him, it was not because David killed soldiers on the battlefield. No! It was not because he killed Goliath and a lot of soldiers of enemy nations. No! Those were righteous killings. That's not the plenty blood that was upon the hands of David. The only blood that God considered to be too much to be ignored was the blood of Uriah. That blood was too weighty because to the degree that the blood is innocent or pure, it is to that degree that the blood is weighty. Uh, so that is why there is specification when those demonic and occultic people tell you, go and look for this type. I'm not looking for any type of blood because there is a sense of innocence that that blood must carry. For you to be able to speak louder. Abel did nothing, so his blood was innocent. Uriah did nothing. was one of the most noble men in David's camp. Yet David killed him in the most malicious way. Ah, God looked at that blood and it was an overflowing stream. It was too much. One man's blood. It was only Uriah's blood. Though. Only Uriah's blood. And God said, mm -mm, the blood on your hand is too much. I can't ignore it. It is your son that will build it. You can't build it anymore. Uriah's blood will not let me rest. Blood speaks. It is authoritative. It has authority. It has authority. And guess what? It is actions that impact on the blood. Isn't it? It's blood now. But what you are doing is either adding innocence and purity to your blood or defiling your blood. Ah. Wow. Hmm. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Are we still together? These things have authority upon the face of the earth. Depending on the credentials of the blood is what determines how much good the enemy can bring out of that blood. If the blood doesn't have much credential, it won't mean much in the occultic realm. And sometimes love can increase the value of blood. So he says, the one you love, I don't want any other type. Because that love has purified that person. Love purifies. So the one you don't love will not weigh much. That blood will not be weighty. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He took the son that he loved to be a weighty enough sacrifice. To redeem humanity. So when you love a person, you are purifying that person. Hi. You are adding innocence and purity. The Bible says, 
perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love. Love purifies. It purges. It cleanses. Cleanses. This is how the occultic world works. They don't have power. They will look for where power is and weaponize it. There's no power. If I, can, if I can kill and destroy, I don't need to steal. But if I cannot kill and destroy until I steal, it shows how powerless I originally am. Because the devil has been spoiled. Having spoiled. Not planning to spoil. Mm -mm. Not, you see, there is a long-term strategy to spoil. Mm -mm. Having. Having spoiled. He has stripped darkness, hell, death, Hades, sin, and all its consequences of all the power they possess. He has stripped them of every single thing. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made an open, public, shameful stroll of them in the streets of hell, triumphing over them in hell. There is nothing that you ought to be afraid of about the devil. Nothing. He has to steal before he can kill. He has to steal before he can kill. <laughs> he has to steal. So the blood of a man who is not even saved is powerful. These are the things that run the occultic world. So when a person wants a child, they can go and ask a child from a demonic abalist. And the abalist will give them that child. <laughs> because some things are authoritative on earth. But something gave for that child to erupt. Something gave. Something happened somewhere. They collected to give you. They didn't just, they can't give from where? They don't have it. They have to steal it. They have to collect to give. This is how the occultic world works. Understanding this will banish fear. You will just understand how it works. You will know when you are giving yourself to the mercy of the devil. When you are just living your life at the mercy of the manipulations of hell. You will know. You will just know that, ah, the way I'm doing. This egungu. That is dancing like this. It's express you are going as you are dancing. The way you are dancing. The second token is time. <laughs> it's time. There are three tokens like that. The second token is time. Exodus chapter 8, I believe, verse 22. The Bible says, as long as the earth remains. He said, seed, time. And harvest shall never cease. This is what explains all the advancements and civilization in our world today. I don't have to be a Christian. I just need to put a good seed in time. My harvest will be good. I just need to put a good seed in time. So time is the eternal middleman. Between a person's seed and harvest, time must serve as an arbiter must serve as a mediator, as an intermediary. Between your harvest and your seed, time must play a part. When you put corrupt seeds in time, it will multiply and compound the impact of that seed and bring you back a harvest of damnation. Time. Seed, time, and harvest shall never cease. So, even when I'm not a Christian, if I put study... If I put sound thinking, if I get sound knowledge, I place it in time. After a while, I'll be the best in that field. And I'll command the highest economic returns in that field. I didn't need to ask any God. 
didn't need to. I didn't need to pray. I just needed to put good seeds in time. Time will do the rest. Five years of investing energy, resources, material, study, reading, hard work, you will reap. Bible says, because of this infrastructure of time, God cannot be mocked. There is a system of government that organizes returns in the earth. He says, God cannot be mocked whatsoever. That is, I didn't even have to, you can't lobby me about this. You can't lobby me. There is a system in place. If you obey the protocol of that system, you will get the harvest that your seed deserves. I can't be lobbied. God cannot be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows into time, he will reap after some time. He will reap. He will reap. God explains it. So, Edison is putting time into research. Light will come out. Oh, your light will come out. He doesn't even need to be a Christian. He's putting time. He's putting seeds of thought, seeds of meditation, seeds of study, hard work, energy, investment. He's putting it into time. So guess what? Time as we know it is damned. Time is in bondage. Time is in chains. The moment man fell, time was put in bondage. Time was chained to the ground by the limitations of sin. So the devil organized time to host every of his agenda. Such that if you are not actively looking for the will of God to do it, you are already following the cause of this world in time. You're already following the cause of this world. So the Bible says one of the smartest things you can ever do in your life is to redeem the time. Because time is by itself in bondage. This is why every single thing that man creates is subject to degeneracy with time. Everything. Once you create something and the thing starts to exist in time, tomorrow is worse than today. It is subject to the progressive depreciation that time confers on it. It cannot grow in time. It can only get worse in time. Law of diminishing returns. It gets worse. The only things that get better in time are things that God created to stay and remain essentially spiritual. God created life the way it is. And the moment man fell, man gave that life to the degeneracy of sin and death. And so the corruption that was resident in sin and death was conferred on everything that God created. However, the things that have stayed spiritual in their essence, not physical, spiritual, those things get better with time. Like your spirit man. Though the outward man perishes, your inward man is renewed day by day. The path of the just is as a shining light that shines brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter unto the brighter. <laughs> you see, it keeps getting brighter. Right? It's getting brighter. Love in a marriage that is from above gets better with time. Amen. But anything that the devil creates or manipulates or that man creates gets worse with time. So the devil will take control of your life if he can suggest to you to begin to put faulty negative seeds into time so that you don't redeem the time 
you will end up receiving the full harvest of the negative consequences of what your seed predicts. So, he doesn't, he can't curse a person. He will just influence the person to place seeds in time. Seeds that are negative. When you place that seed into time, time will do the rest. Because time is auto-run. It's, it's automatic. It will just, it will just, there's an algorithm in time that does all the permutations. And then harvest is on its way. Because if you sow into death, you will reap death. If you sow into the flesh, the Bible says you will reap corruption. But if you sow into life, you will reap everlasting life. Amen. So every single time you carry your time and you spend it in things that are flesh driven. Just wait for the harvest of corruption. It will come. And God cannot be mocked. God cannot be mocked. You will say, oh, I'm cursed. You were not cursed, sir. No, you're not cursed. You created that repeated negative pattern and cycle in your life. By placing your time in the wrong places or carrying your wrong seats into time, time did the rest. If you understand this, you will know how to just escape the damnation and the corruption that is in this world through lust. You will know how to escape it. Because what the devil does is that it takes time stamps. Whenever he sees your mortal body, your eye, your ears, spending time in things that are not redemptive, he takes a snapshot of that time and carries it as a receipt into the court of heaven. Moses almost lost his entrance back into heaven. He did something in time that the devil took a screenshot of and he said, this is our ticket to getting Moses' body down to hell. Go and retrieve that body now. And then that demon went and began to strive with angel Michael over the body of Moses. This guy had lived a good life all his life, but he just strayed into error. And then the devil took a snapshot. And that became his legitimate ticket and access to strive for the body of Moses. Thank God for the rebuke of angel Michael. He looked at the devil and he said, the Lord rebuke thee. Because on our plane, I cannot refute what you are saying. You have a claim. Have a claim. These are the accusations that come to the courts of God about believers. See what he did here. There's this timestamp. So, what Google and Facebook and all of those people are doing when you go to websites and they cache, you know that cache, they will just cache your details and then sell it to people. The devil has an infrastructure that does that. Everywhere you go in the flesh that you do wrong, he's just waiting for you to do wrong. It's called the accuser of the brethren. The Lord is waiting for you to do good, to applaud you. The devil is waiting for you to do wrong so you can take a snapshot. You know, the, some officials on the road, you know, you see them now. <laughs> I'm not saying anything, no. But they'll just take a snapshot. That is their what? Evidence. So when you do wrong in the flesh, the devil takes an evidence. So that he can present it before the throne of grace. That this guy does not have justification for the peace and prosperity he's living in. Sin has consequences now. See what he did. The wages of sin is, the, is that not in your Bible? The Lord? Can't you, don't you know it's in your Bible, sir? And he will quote scripture to give God a justification for punishment. Because there is an evidence. Amen. So time is authoritative. What you are using your time for is determining the cause of your life. The devil doesn't even have to get involved. He will just give you wrong seats. Throw it into the time. 
Time will bring back a harvest of damnation. Number three. <laughs> Words. Words. Words are the third token in the authority matrix. Words. <laughs> words are powerful. Tell your neighbor, say words are powerful. Can you imagine that God just by executing the power in words created the whole world? Just words. Just words. Words. <laughs> words, though. <laughs> Nothing material. Just words. So guess what? God has used that instrument before. It may not carry his divine presence. But it carries a latent power. It was a tool that God used. Even when you're not using God to use it. Without God, that thing still has latent power. It's a tool that has been used by God and still gets used by God. So even when you're not a Christian, your words are still powerful. Because they carry latent power. Now, the power is effectual after it has been compounded. What I mean by compounded is when you say things consistently, you are increasing the latency of the power in those words. And those words can be used to broker realities in your life. I was in Genesis 1. I, didn't, I don't even think I was a believer. I was in Genesis 1. And I loved the way my deputy head boy looked. I just liked him. just liked him. He just had this swag about him. This guy was just so cool. I'm like, man, I would like to be like this guy. Remember him so well. You know, every other senior, they would come into the dining hall. And the dining hall was the noisiest place on this planet. Very noisy. You know, it has all these, uh, all these uh, aluminum plates and aluminum spoons. So there's too much. You can't survive there. It's so noisy. This guy would just come, smiling. And he would just jingle his, his keys. Just jingle it a bit. And from that last point where he entered the dining hall from to the end you will literally feel the wave of silence from one point of the hall down to the end of the hall you will feel the wave of silence as everybody looks at him they will just keep quiet not because they were afraid they were just in awe of this guy this guy was just so cool he wasn't born you know he would just jingle his bell kai too much kappa that's what we call it kappa so much dripping kappa so i said I will be the deputy head boy in this school. And I looked at my friend. I said, watch it. Me. I'll be the deputy head boy here. I said it consistently for several years. After a while, I stopped saying it. I even forgot. I says one, I says two, they don't beat your life. For secondary school, boarding house, you forget your confession. <laughs> I forgot the confession. But I had said it so often that the latency in that word Created a stature in the realm of the spirit. And SS3 came. The day they were calling prefects, they called me out as deputy head boy. My friend beside me slapped me. He's like, Shadow, you did mad, oh. I said, What did I do? He said, You remember, say, for JS1, you did talk, say, you go chop deputy head boy for this school. I said, oh. I said Yes, that's right, I remember. Oh. He said, Ah, you put jazz for mouth. I'm telling you, that was exactly how it happened. I became deputy head boy on that campus six years after I said it for the first time. 
It was not necessarily because God made it happen. <laughs> it was not necessarily because God was one that said, oh, you will be deputy head boy. No. There is power in words, especially when they are consistent. There's power there. God has put power inside words, even without his help. Don't need God's help. Sometimes, when you say something repeatedly, if those words you are saying carry death, death will inadvertently happen. I'm sure you must have heard this story, Brother Kenneth Hagin. Sometimes it's Papa Hagin, sometimes Brother Hagin. <laughs> but it's the same person I'm talking about. All right? How a certain brother kept saying, I will not live beyond the age of 40. He kept saying it for years, for decades. He just kept saying, ah, I don't think I'll live beyond the age of 40. My grandfather did not live beyond the age of 40. My grandfather, my father, my, my uncle, he said, I'm not likely going to. He died a few hours before the, his 40th birthday. It was at his burial that his younger brother was saying this. But before then, God, when he was still sick, they had called Brother Hagin to come pray for him. As Brother Hagin was about to pray for him, God told him not to bother. That the power of prayer at this point cannot reverse the consequences of the laws that he had set in motion. He said this man had set in motion laws and that they can no longer be reversed. They cannot, he didn't visit the devil to start saying those things. He didn't visit God. He just started saying those things. He believed those things. He started saying those things. And the, the universe respected it. That this guy, you have said it too long. This thing has become a beast in the realm of the spirit. This thing has become a stronghold. You are not escaping. You will be bound by that word that you have created by consistency. That thing you have been saying consistently for years, it has not become too mighty for you. It has not become a beast in the realm of the spirit. And it has held you sway. You can't go anywhere. Even God may not be able to remove that chain from you. Be very careful the things you say. They are tokens of authority. Your words, your time, your blood. Your words, your time, your blood. How do you apply them? Because these things are tokens of authority that if left unoptimized, because there's a way to optimize them. <laughs> you can optimize these tokens. But those who don't have the knowledge of God's word, they are the mercy because even if they understand, because how do I know this thing I just shared? It's not God's word. So people who have this authority and they are not Christians, they can't understand the power of these three things. They can't. They won't. They'll just be living their life thinking that, ah, time, let's just spend on social media, Joe. Words, let's just say nonsense. Let's just say wrong words. Let's just be using slangs anyhow. Let's just be saying things. Oh, I'm dead. Oh, no. you know, just say things anyhow. And then by our actions, let's damage the purity of our blood. So they are the mercy of the devil. These are the things that the devil steals from those who are not saved. That he uses to attack them. And of course attack other believers as well. Who are also ignorant. Because he has to first steal before he can kill. You need to believe that with all your heart. But if you are not aware of the things that are powerful that you possess. He will steal it easily. You won't even know something was stolen. He will just take hold of your tongue. You just start saying the wrong things. Start saying the wrong things. Sow those wrong things into time. And those things will begin, they will just become a harvest of damnation. And then you say you are cursed. No. It was not a curse. You deployed your tokens of authority in the wrong direction. 
That's why. Understanding this just frees you from fear. So the first thing in optimizing these three tokens is to understand the super impulsive power of the blood of Jesus. As far as the token of the blood is concerned. Because even when you optimize your life to the highest degree, your innocence is still inferior to what can be used as a transaction in the presence of God. All your righteousness is as a filthy rag. If you like, live the holiest life as far as it is from a place of morality. It's still, a, it's still a filthy rag. So when you enter into God's, because the reason why blood is powerful in the realm of the spirit is this. It is used as a transaction for justification so that you can have access to good things. You understand? So it's like the currency of the realm of the spirit. So you want, how can you just want, give me blood, Joe. You understand? You need, then what is the weight of, what's the cost of this blood? How expensive is this blood? This is cheap blood now. This is the blood of some random guy who is a sinner. This is the blood of a broken lamb. This, this one, it doesn't weigh much. Give me solid blood. And then you have to bring a blood that is consistent with the value of what you are looking for in the realm of the spirit. No matter how well you live your life, your blood cannot command so much. Every man, Psalms 39, verse 5, I believe. Every man at his best state is all together, wrapped up together, compounded. The cumulative effect of his entire body of holiness is nothing and vanity. Every man at his best is altogether vanity. So there's no point trying to attempt to present your blood in the throne of grace. Seeing that we have a high priest who has passed into heaven. Jesus Christ, our high priest. says, let us hold fast our profession of faith. For we do not have a high priest who cannot be taught by the feelings of our infirmity, but he was in every point tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come what? Boldly. Your, your own blood cannot give you boldness. Because you know yourself, nah. If you enter into the holiest of all with your blood, ah. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't provide any boldness. You are not sure. But there is a blood that when you step into the holiest of all with that consciousness of his blood, it grants boldness. It washes you. It cleanses you. <laughs> so at resurrection, the woman came and she had the history of prostitution. So Jesus broke a protocol to speak to her. He wasn't supposed to speak to her. But he said, well, the protocol has not spoiled. It's with Ibaje. As long as you don't touch me. Because if you touch me, you defile my blood. Those were protocols in the law back then. If you wanted to do a sacrifice, there are some people you will not talk to. There are people that must not touch you. There are beds you must not sleep on. There are people's rappers you must not touch. <laughs> you, can't, you can't try it. So that the blood will stay holy. So Jesus said, listen, see, I'm breaking a protocol to speak to you because you came to work to look for me. So I'm just going to tell you this thing. Do you want to tell your brothers and tell them I'm coming to Galilee and all of those things? But don't touch me. Because I'm yet to pour that blood upon the mercy seat in the original tabernacle in heaven. He still had blood inside his body. He had been raised from the dead, but he still had blood. So he went into heaven first. Then in the original tabernacle in heaven, because every single thing you see in the temple of Moses is a type and shadow of what exists originally in the original tabernacle in heaven. There is a mercy seat in the holiest of all in heaven. So he went to the mercy seat in heaven, poured out his blood upon it. Then came back down for the 40 days with the, with the disciples. Because when they saw him, the, the next time he came back, because he said, I will go before them into Galilee. It doesn't take long to pour the blood. Don't worry, I'll be back. It doesn't take long. <laughs> so before you get to Galilee, I would, have, I, would show, I would show up there. 
But by the time he came back, he came back after he had poured his blood. So by the time they saw him amongst them, he said, touch me. He said, a spirit does not have flesh and bones. He didn't mention blood. He had poured everything on the mercy seat. He said, touch my scar, touch it. He said, because the spirit does not have flesh and bone. All his blood has been exhausted. He has poured the entirety of every ounce of the blood of Jesus upon the mercy seat in heaven. This was the blood that served as the access for the high priest in the Old Testament. So if that blood was not poured on the mercy seat, smoke will not come. Glory will not descend. God will not speak. He won't, he won't speak. And if the blood is not pure enough, the high priest will be slain. You'll have to drag him out. Blood was what granted access. Was what granted access. So imagine the access that Jesus' blood grants you. This is the reason why you can say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. This is the reason. That's why you can say it. Who born you? Why would you come and say you are the right? You know what righteousness means? You, the righteousness of God. You. You didn't even say, I, I am trying to be righteous like God. You are the righteousness, the capacity to do right that God possesses. I am it. Ah. I'm the righteousness of God. It's because of the blood that was exchanged. Given thanks to the Father. Colossians chapter 1. I believe from verse 14. Given thanks to the Father who has made us meet. Hey! It's not Momo. <laughs> who has made us meet. Ah! The word meet there is qualified. I have a qualification. This was not just some let's allow him. No. It's a qualification. God qualified me with his blood. What? You know there are people that... When they are qualified, you are not having mercy to, you are not, you are not favoring them. They have the qualification. They have the qualification. This is not a, you lobbied to get this job. No, I am qualified for it. So when you are in the presence of God, it's not a lobbying matter. It's a qualification. Wow. Is it given thanks to the Father who has made us meet qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints? Yes, thank you. In light, he said, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Glory to God. You see, what it means to plead the blood is not to sprinkle the blood on your car. Your car will be stained. And you will not be able to see clearly. Say you sprinkle, sprinkle, sprinkle. Sprinkle on your gear, on your every. No, that's not to, to plead the blood. Go and service your car. <laughs> Go and service your car. That's what your car needs. It's not blood. <laughs> you plead the blood by attacking life on the premise of the qualification that the blood gave you. You, you, you approach life qualified. You approach life with a qualification that the blood grants. Hebrews chapter 13, I believe from verse 20. It begins to talk about how that now unto God... How did they put him? The God of peace who brought back from the dead. Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep. According to the blood of his everlasting covenant. Perfect you in every good work to do his will. So every single time God tells you to do something. The reason why you are capable of doing that thing is because the blood qualified you. So to not act by faith is to lack faith in the blood. Because every time God tells you to do something, understand, the blood already qualified you. You can do all things through Christ, by the blood, strengthening you. It's the blood. 
the economy of heaven is run by the blood of Jesus. The entire economy. So the reason why you, you are qualified for prosperity, for peace, for protection is because the blood was exchanged on your behalf. It's because of the blood. Why would you deserve justification? Why would you deserve redemption? Why would you deserve prosperity? Why would you deserve protection? Why would you deserve safekeeping? Why? It's the blood. The devil has no clap back for that. It's the blood. The purest type of blood ever. The blood of the son of God. So we are not even on the level of the authority of the normal blood that a man can provide. No, 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 no. We have stepped it higher. We don't run that government anymore. It's the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. When you understand the efficacy of this blood, you can stare at anything in the face. The blood qualifies you. The blood qualifies you. So you plead the blood. Because when a lawyer is pleading a case, he will refer to some judgments and some cases. All right? He will plead those cases. He will tell the judge the reason why he cannot judge otherwise. Because there are some sacrosanct precedents. That he will just begin to evoke and begin to plead. He's not pleading as in, as in begging. He's pleading as in almost commanding. <laughs> Glory to God. That's what it means to plead the blood. He's to come in the name and in the power of the government of God. The blood of Jesus. The blood. Can you tell your neighbor, say the blood. Hallelujah, the blood. Woo! Glory to God. It's the blood of Jesus. The second token is time. How do you redeem the time? By praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying the Holy Ghost. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. But be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be not unwise, but understand what the will of God is. Your mind is too small to capture the, the bandwidth of the will of God. You need an overriding protocol to access the depths of God. It's called tongues. Your mind is too small. So imagine your mind. And imagine a very vast tank above your mind. And then imagine that above that tank, we have God. Huh? Everything God wants to say, your mind is too small. You can't even capture it. So you need to tap into that intelligence that can give you access to the God above. So when you pray in tongues, you suppress the understanding that you have and magnify the possibilities that exist in the realm of the spirit to come into your life. Even though it's at the potential state because you don't understand it. Then the more you pray in tongues and pray in tongues, God will now begin to, based on the tongues you've been praying, give it, begin to give you some energized utterances from the depths of the things that you are saying in tongues. And then once you, you are inspired and you begin to decree those things, those things are so powerful and forceful that nobody can resist against say you. Nobody. So when you pray until you get to that place where you are energized and you begin to speak from utterance, those things you are saying, they're not the same thing as saying those exact same thing without utterance. They're not the same. Because it's coming from a place. Energized. When you pray in tongues, you have far, far, you have a far bigger chance of discerning the will of God. And even when you are not able to discern it in your understanding, you are still discerning it even in your inactions and actions and misgivings. You are falling in line. Because when you're praying in tongues, you are praying the perfect will of God. So, for example, a guy asks you out, and that guy is not the husband that you're supposed to marry. But you know how to pray in tongues. Don't worry, just continue praying in tongues. 
Continue praying in tongues. What you are saying, even though in understanding, you are saying, Lord, as we are about to prepare for this marriage, Lord, help us so that we'll have money. Let people give us money. Let all the events, you know, let no many people come so that we'll have enough money. That's not all of those things. That's not all of those. But in the spirit, while you are praying in tongues, you are just saying, Lord, this guy is not my guy. Everything he needs to do that will make my understanding catch up with the reality of what you have said about me in the realm of the spirit. Let him do it so I can see for himself, for, see him for himself and make the decision I need to make in the physical so I can break up this relationship. You are saying that, Lord, scatter this relationship by fire. That's what you are doing. Because it is your most holy faith. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, you are praying the most accurate type of prayer you could ever pray for yourself, ever. You are praying the perfect will of God, even when your understanding is unfruitful. So you are praying the exact thing that will save your destiny and career. Even though in the flesh, you are saying things that will please your flesh. So praying in tongues is an escape. So that you will not suffer the consequences of your own folly. Because if all the instruments we have to prayer is understanding, we will pray a lot of things amiss. We will be praying things that God cannot give us because he loves us. So you are just making things very difficult for him. Give me and you say, yeah, I can't, oh, yeah, bah, and then it destroys you. Do you understand? So you he gives you that access to praying the Holy Spirit so that you can say the exact thing you need to say to hit targets in the realm of the Spirit. So that even when you're not knowing, you are falling in line with the will of God. It's your most holy faith. So when you operate on that realm, you can't break the protocol of performance. Because that which you are praying in the realm of the Spirit in tongues will happen according to the will of God. According to the will of God. So when you pray in the Holy Ghost, all the ones that need to call you for that day, for that victory to happen, will call you. You don't need to do anything. Just pray in tongues. Everything that needs to show up, and it, everything that needs to align to make your path smooth will show up. Saul was going into a strange land. But guess what? Many people had been planted in that land. Samuel had been planted to prophesy. Food had been prepared. Prophecy had been laid out. Men had been installed with bread and wine. A strange land. A land that has never been before. That's what happens when you pray in tongues. God just begins to plant on your path of life. Everything you need in life. Everything. Everywhere God tells me to go, I will go. Because that's where my provision, security, protection, breakthroughs, victories. That's where they belong. I will just go there. Because when you're praying in tongues, you're installing everything that has been written of you in the volume of the books. Activate. That's what you're telling. That's what you're saying. Things that have been written of you in the volume of the books, you're activating them. So, you don't need time. You don't need to be saying, this is my time to pray in tongues. Every small time you have, hey, eh? let me organize my life small now. Because you are building up yourself on your most holy faith. So, when you're not praying in tongues, who are you destroying? Yourself. You're not building anything. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, you are building up yourself. So when you're not praying, what are you? You're not building. I know that. You're not building. But when you pray, you're building. You're not building anybody. You're building yourself. So all the materials that your building requires, they're coming. All the materials. The man that you need. The network that you need. The resources that you need. Everything is coming together. You are building up yourself. In the realm of the spirit, some people are still on foundation level. Because they're not praying. So the devil is hijacking their time, applying it in wrong places. They're sowing the wrong seeds in their time. And then by the time they begin to reap the harvest of the things that they have sown into time, they will now say they are cursed. They are not cursed. Every outcome is a choice. Every. Every outcome is a choice. Everyone. 
It may look like, ah, it just happened. No, no, no. You chose it. You chose it. Every outcome is a choice. So when you see people stumbling into victories and testimonies, they had prayed it. They had prayed it. Oh, dear God. They had prayed it in the realm of the spirit. They had built themselves up on their most holy faith to such a degree that the devil cannot tamper with the performance of those words because he doesn't even understand it. Had he known it? Because you encode the mysteries when you pray in the Holy Ghost. The devil does not have access. You don't have access. Only God and the Holy Ghost have access to what you are saying. So nothing can stop it. Nothing. The devil does not know. Until it has happened, you say, ah, this is what God was trying to do. Ah, but I didn't even know. Let me try to stop it. And as he's stopping it, the Lord will collect his last component. What he's using to stop it, he will now use it as the last component to nail him in the coffin. And then exalt you. There is nothing the devil can do against tongues. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. He will encode the mysteries of your life in tongues. So that even you cannot stop it. Because while Joseph was praying in tongues, he was saying, Lord, as I go right now, let them kidnap me. So let them put me on Austin's back so that I will enter Egypt. Then one very terrible boss will hire me. Then his wife will be a seductress. Then she will try to seduct me and all of that. And all of... That was what he was praying in tongues. But in understanding, he said, Lord, this is my father that loves me so much. Help me to sustain his life. Let this love never wane. And God is saying, Lord, ta, ta love, take him away from this father. Why did you think his, his mother died? Why? Purpose is stronger than sentimental. Purpose is stronger than sentimental. If his, father, if his mother was alive, Joseph would never have left the house to go and visit his brothers in the wilderness. Never. She would never see it happen in her lifetime. So God said, let me cuckoo just take you. Telling you the truth. Because to Jacob, he had 12 sons. To his mother, she had two sons. She would never have allowed Joseph stray into the camp of the enemy. Lie, lie. She would never have allowed it. So every, when you pray in tongues, you are speaking the perfect will of God for your life. Perfect. Everything that needs to happen for prime minister to be a possibility, you are saying it. But if all you have is understanding, it is limited. You probably just die in your father's house. Never fulfilling all that God has called you to fulfill. Praise the name of the Lord. The last one is words, right? So you speak God's word. In place of your words, your feelings, your thoughts, your imaginations, how about you speak God's word? How about you just speak God's word? Proverbs chapter 18. This is verse 22 now. You see, this blessed me so much. He didn't say life and death are in the power of the tongue. He says death and life. There is a world of difference. The devil has used this one against a lot of people. So the devil catches you saying the wrong thing and says, yes, you have said it. You will die poor. You will die. You've said it. Oh, you've said it. You've said it. You know, your words are powerful. You, you've said it. So he will now begin to use those things as arrows of fear into your life. You will now begin to shoot arrows of fear that you know you have said it that you will not prosper. You know you have said it. That maybe you even married late. You know you have said it. You know you have said maybe you never have children. You know you have actually said it. And then it will make you continue to say those same things because you said it one time in ignorance. Understand what this Bible says. It says it is death that precedes life. That means the ascendancy is always with life. That is, it is death and life that are in the power of the tongue. That is, even when you start with death, you can take the next gear into life. It is not life and death. Because the final authority is not with death, it's with life. It is death that has an organ, which is called resurrection. Life has no organ after him. Do you understand? So even when you say something you are not supposed to say, say the right thing immediately after that. Swallow up that death in victory. Every time you say something in the flesh that amounted to death, and you know it in the realm of the spirit, and the Holy Ghost just tells you that, you know what, you just said something you shouldn't have said. Say the right thing. 
and swallow it. When you swallow it, you remove all the power of that word I have just said because death can be swallowed by life. It was your tongue that said the death. It's your same tongue that will resurrect that death into life. So I'm broke. I can't say I'm broke now. Why would I say I'm broke? In the name of Jesus, I'm the blessed of the Lord. Once you say that, life comes into that moment. And it captures and it just, it just swallows that death. But what the devil wants you to do is that once you say you're broke, you just, you know, like I said, that time shot. You just take it. You have said it. You have said it. You, have said, you are now going to be broke for life. And then you'll be afraid. Ah, hey, I've said what I shouldn't have said. Say life now. It was a tongue that cursed Reuben. It was a tongue that reversed it. It was the same tongue. It was a tongue. So you say, ah, he has cursed me. Hey, bless yourself now. Who said you have to stick with the prerogative of death? It's not only death that is in the power of the tongue. Life is also there. Use the life button. So you can as well title this teaching, use the life button. <laughs> Praise God. Use the life button. Why do you, why you keep emphasizing the death button? The same power is in the tongue. Death and life. Oh, dear God. So, there are some things you've said in ignorance in the past. Convert it. Hit the life button. And begin to speak life. And as you're speaking life consistently, you're increasing the power, the compounding power of life. And it's swallowing up every death. Chewing it out, spitting it away, glory to God. And destroying all the hold of death in your life. And it's planting seeds of peace and prosperity and greatness in your life in return. Father, we give you praise. When you understand these three tokens and you activate them with the higher, all right, the higher substance of faith, which is the blood of Jesus, redeeming the time by praying in the Holy Ghost, I'm speaking only the words that are in alignment with God's word. There is nothing the devil can do with your life. He can't manipulate. He can't exaggerate. He can't distort anything. There is just no, he, he just can't do anything. My grandmother will say that the Agbado that has entered inside the ego, he has become our module for idea. I did not just, I did not do incantations now. <laughs> I tried to mix it a little, but she never said it in English, obviously, so you can see how difficult it is. He said the, 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 the corn that has entered into the bottle and closed, it has become a spectacle for life, for the, for the chicken. All it will do is just be spectating and be looking, and be looking. There is nothing the devil can do. You are shielded, you are guarded, you are protected. Your life is secure. He has secured your life. He knows the thoughts that he has towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To bring you, there is nothing the devil can do. The more he tries to stop it, the more he's advancing it. Like he's just helpless. If you understand these things, and if you understand these things and practice them, there is no way fear will dominate your life. There is just no way. Because you understand the tokens of authority that God has given to you, and then you optimize it by the power of the Holy Ghost. Father, we give you praise. We ask that this word is established in our hearts in all truth and in all righteousness in Jesus' precious name. Can we celebrate Jesus this morning? Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Parpoint Tribe.